All right, we're good. All right, welcome to Hoop Therapy. Come on, sit down on the couch, lay back, and, and let us tell you what you need to hear. I am your co-host, Kayshawn, a.k.a. the Tar Heel, a.k.a. the Don, a.k.a. whatever you want to call me, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, my other co-host right here. It's Danny O. It's Danny O'Sparrow, uh, D-Chaps for y'all who know me by that. Yeah, man. Let's get it. I mean, the NBA is back. Uh, but before we even get to the NBA, I see you're fresh off this uh, Rosé versus calling yourself the Dawn and shit. Hey, man, the, that Rosé, two chains versus. Uh, that was, I don't, it wasn't, I mean, the DMX joint was probably my favorite because I'm a big DMX head. But this mm-hmm. one was, was a nice, just like chill pace. I had the wine sipping. I was uh, just relaxing, listening. I mean, it, it was fun. They brought out the essential workers, you know, shout outs to them. Yeah, right, it, right, right. It was a great time. Did you enjoy that? Uh, Man, I didn't even get to catch it. I was kind of busy kind of catching up with a couple of things here. You know, I'm a big Rosé guy, so I think tomorrow I'm going to have to catch it at work. You know, grinding, so I'm going to have to catch it at that point. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's exquisite. Uh, well, how do you call it? That's uh, high-class bars on both sides there. I can tell it was a smooth time. I don't even think that it was mainly for the competition. I think it was just two oh. of the same period banging out. See, you could tell Rose came to compete. Rose had joints in the tuck. He was like, Yeah, I'm coming to knock you out. Two chains yeah. already knew he couldn't really battle with him. So he's like, I'm just about to do what I can do. We about to just celebrate. So it, it was a it was nice little contrast. And then they ended up just enjoying each other. I think that was it, it was fun. I think that versus has come a long way from when it first started to some yeah. hostility with like how Sean Garrett was, you know, just making people uncomfortable. To now, where it's like everybody's just doing it, having a good time. Drinks are flowing. Exactly. Drinks are flowing. There's things in the air. You know, it was a good time. I think out of out of that's one of the bright spots of COVID. That that amounting the way it has has been super cool, man. There's been just so many fire matchups, so many fire like just like vibes. Like the DMX vibe was nice. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see how everybody could come together. Just like right, how right, everyone right. has uh, come together in this NBA bubble. You know, the, yes, the NBA sir. is back. You know? Ball what is a, back for sure. We, we're about, what, a week deep in it now? Um, well, yeah, it's officially a week in the game, yep. Yeah. How how you feel about it? I mean, all right, in context of the bubble, I think, like, it's exactly what we're all supposed to be doing, you know? Like, just being behind closed doors, you know, Staying with the people that you know, who you're, you know, seeing day to day at work, it's such and such that you know you have to run into. But other than that, really like limiting, you know, you know, interactions with other people, keeping your social distance, wearing your mask at all times, and just staying as safe as possible for the better of the community and better for yourself. So the fact that it's been, you know, four, what is it, four tests now in of zero, mm-hmm. zero cases. I mean, obviously everybody's been enclosed in the bubble, but still, it's such a good time to see a lot of people maintain like that, and I think. You know, as an entertainment business and as sports and, you know, as a consumer that I enjoy them being back and I enjoy it back. And to be honest, the level of play right now and the the quality of basketball that's going on right now is, is exceeding my expectation. I thought I would really had stipulations with how the audio runs and how just like the general broadcast, especially like after the first scrimmage where it was just kind of all over the place. But 
a weekend and I'm just viewing this as almost as if it is back in, you know, end of March, beginning of April and it's about to be playoff basketball. Like I'm excited, I'm enjoying it. These games have been great and yeah, man. And I'm loving it. And, and see that the difference is this in this is like the end of March and April run, but then again it's not. You kick all the bad yeah. teams out and you see how good the basketball can be. I mean, we're not sitting here watching Andre Drummond shoot three pointers and no, <laughs> no, no knock to him. It's like uh, I'd rather watch some better guys. Oh. There's no more seeing Trey Young make somebody being down by fifty. <laughs> right, right. We can just keep that you? to yourself. What um, are you thinking about this whole bubble life? I love it, and that's you said the zero test, and that's with even you know Rashawn Holmes. He was the first one they got caught. Well. He stepped off with some DoorDash or Postmates or something, something like that, and had to do that ten day quarantine. And then you had Lou Williams in the uh, strip club heard around the world, just wanting some wings. Um, so I mean, even with those things, they were able to put people to sit them down, quarantine, and able to keep everything safe. I mean, the, the NBA is taking this seriously. Everyone there is taking it seriously. You know, I, I'm happy to have basketball back and. I think that's one thing that's like the the NBA is taking it serious, you know, like the whole quarantining for 10 days, at least for just, you know, breaking the rules of not being in the areas you're supposed to be in, being in crowded areas, you know, being in uncharted areas, being with people that are wearing, aren't wearing masks and if it's documented stuff, like it's no games and it's for a reason because it's for the safety of everybody there. Like, you know, you look at the MLB and it's like, not having a bubble is causing so much issue. And I know a lot of people made ruckus about how it was like Lou Will grabbing to the strip club and like it was beyond, you know, the consequence that it needed to be and is it because of where he went? But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure if you pull up to just like Wendy's and there's more than five people hovering around you asking for a picture and you go ahead and do it, the NBA slapping you with a 10-day quarantine because there's no games with it right now, you know? Right. I think everybody should understand there's no games with this this, this pandemic passing around still. So. Right, it's literally billion dollars at stake. Nobody has time for games like this. Is yeah. we hit a hoop and that's it. I mean, the arena looks nice. The the whole setup. I saw Devin Booker said today, um, it's like a shooter's paradise. The depth perception is nice. You, you don't have like the court and then like thousands of fans behind you. You got to look at it. It's like nah, it's just the court and that's it. So you know, a lot uh, of shooters are getting locked in. I didn't see that quote, but that now I'm looking up at this uh, this Rockets game right now and just thinking about it like that way that yeah, like the depth perception is way different. There's nothing else to factor in just the hoop in the court, right? Or the so, board. Yeah. You about it's to just, sit in as a virtual fan? Oh, uh, I think I'm, I'm gonna try to get in one game. I'm gonna definitely, <laughs> but that will require me to watch a full Wizards game, and I cannot tell you the last time I have done that. Yeah, no, don't do that for your your, your well being and mental health. <laughs> I mean, I this isn't good to say. I, I'm a big fan. I love the Wizards, but you know they ain't got nobody out there. So I usually spend my time watching the better teams play. You know. So what's your take on the play? How are you how are you liking the quality of basketball that's been going on so far? It, it's been pretty good. I enjoyed. Uh, you see, some teams came out the gates just. I mean, sprint. You got Phoenix. Um, Houston started off pretty strong. They kind of petered out for a second, but they looks like they're on to another win tonight. Um, the Clippers, you know, as a favorite, they haven't really played that well, but 
They've got some pivotal wins. Were they three and one now? So can't really take much from them. Uh, but I think Phoenix has to be the star of the restart right now. Phoenix and Indiana before they lost. Uh, yeah, they're pitted against each other. Uh huh. Devin Booker, who has been playing phenomenal, I usually get on him for his lack of passing. I mean, when I see him play, most of the time it's him taking shots. He doesn't. I like to see scorers like him who, you know, you can obviously score anytime down the court, but you got other players on the team. I like uh, for them to give the ball up early. I mean, the ball will find you. So, I mean, give the ball up, move, cut, do what you got to do, find you a better position. Because once you got the defense on the move, it's easy for you to get your shot up. So, But he's been passing a lot more. Uh, my guy Cam Johnson's down there. got two double-doubles in the bubble. Say that five times fast. Uh, right. And his first two. So, I mean, I like what Phoenix is doing. I don't know what – I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. They probably won't. They got a lot of teams to jump, but they've played well, exceeded expectations. And, uh, I mean, the team that's ahead of them, well, the uh, Portland Trailblazers, I think, I think that – other than the Suns, that's the only other team that I look at and I say, wow. It's like they really came yeah. to play. Like they – in the Western Conference, that is, because I don't want to, uh, the Raptors fans jumping at me. The Raptors have been good, too. All right. Oh, yeah, that out. Uh, I don't really like watching them, but that's another story. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, like, you know, out of those, what is it, bottom five, right? It's what, Memphis, Portland, Phoenix. San Antonio, Sacramento, and New Orleans. So the six of them, out of the six of them, I mean, those two teams that you just listed, Portland and Phoenix, came out the gate gunning. Um, There's a weird story going on with Denver and what their young guys are doing. Like you said, Toronto's killing it. I think the favorites come in were consensus of Milwaukee, L.A., and the Clippers. And I know we had this conversation the other day where the Lakers just looked a little weird. Obviously, they locked in their top spot, and they're geared towards the playoffs, but still – Sloppy first game, sloppy kind of play overall. Um, not really like too concerning, but also wasn't too reassuring that they're looking like clear dominant. Like the Clippers have been playing a little bit sloppy ball as well. They've came together, string some wins, but you know, you want to see some dominance. Like the, the Bucks almost lost an ugly one today playing Miami. You know, was it three games in four days and still dropping about like 25 at the half? Like, just looking a little sketch, and then you have some good stories like Indiana, like you're saying, Miami winning a couple games, obviously Boston just looking a little different. So, you know, but focusing in on that race for the eighth, like we were talking about, so the new thing with this bubble is if you're at least, what is it, four games four within games. the eighth seed? Well, if you're within four games of the eighth seed, you ignite a playing game to kind of get that eighth seed. And basically you, you play each other, and then you try to beat that eighth seed twice to take over that spot. So the order is right how I listed it was Memphis, Portland, Phoenix. It's Memphis, um, Portland, uh, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix. No, but then Phoenix Phoenix jumped the gun with today's win. With the win, yes, you're right. Yeah, they're right behind Portland. So it's Portland, then it's, I mean, Portland, Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, and then New Orleans dropped down there. So, I mean, like we're listing all these teams, but we can't forget that Memphis, had a phenomenal year. Jaws kind of proved himself to be definitely a star in this league, and they just got hit with that injury bug, and Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. falling down kind of hurts their chances of being playoffs overall. 
even without the playoffs, they still get kudos for having a phenomenal year. And like we said, Portland's looking great because they got blessed actually being healthy again. So that's yeah, one to look at. Memphis, uh, that trade they also made, I mean, they had to get Iguodala off the team, clearly. But uh, giving up uh, Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, who were actually playing well, with the Grizzlies, uh, that kind of hurt them in the short term. They did get back Justice Winslow, but yeah. I mean, he got he got hurt again. So I mean, that's your risk when you take Justice Winslow. He's probably played about thirty five percent of his games in the NBA because of injury. I mean, the guy's talented, but reoccurring injuries. It's like how much can you how much stock can you put in that? I almost would have wanted to keep Jay Crowder, but I get the long term play. But it's, like, it's a long-term uh, play, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and at the you end might have risked some short-term success. It's no guarantee that Memphis would be in this position anytime soon again. Because if you, you look at the race below them, I mean, and you see the teams ahead of them, the seven teams ahead of them are probably, those are like solid playoff teams. The Thunder might fall oh, yeah, out depending blocked. on what happens with Chris Paul or whatever. But you, you look at those, and then you look at the teams behind them, it's like Memphis, I, I you had a surprise season, but – and you gave up your little postseason success, but you might not even make it now. And it's like, where, where do you slot in in years to come? You did made this trade for long term, you know, implications. But you looking at the long term, it's like, um, still a little sketchy. This New Orleans, think- who, who hasn't played well so far, they still, I mean, the year is coming. I would take them over Memphis, Portland, you still have. Um, I mean, those are two right there who I would just take. Phoenix looks like they might have something budding, but, you know, the Kings are the Kings, and I don't know what the Spurs are going to do with hmm. But it. But just that little that little trade could yeah. change so many things, short-term and long-term. Well, like, you know, like you're saying, like, it, it, you can talk yourself in or out of them beating any of those lower teams below them, and the end of the day, like the way I look at it, you always want to turn nothing into something. And the, the problem is, like, just to jump into the actual trade, like with Justice Winslow, is like he's been kind of poised to be like that starter position or being like a, you know a key player for a team. But having that like you know kind of lower rotation role and just having more time to rehab, he's got talent. Like he's a good player. So I mean, it doesn't really hurt them. And like you're saying, like you know, those teams below them they can kind of convince themselves where they might not be in the same neck of the woods. Like you look at the two teams you talked about that have promising young cores where it's New Orleans and Phoenix. New Orleans didn't have Zion for the bulk of the season. And we know that that could definitely make the difference. And it's their first year with that whole team. And they had stretches where they actually played really good ball. And actually before the end of the season, they're playing really good ball. So right. right now, like they've been just getting smacked up and it's just limited Zion minutes. So not enough for him to be out there dominating and, who knows how Gentry's really playing the game with them right now. But then the other young team is Phoenix, and they have two studs. One one star, which I can say Devin Booker is a star in this league because given his age and his production. And then you have a good young stud in, in Aiden, and then you build a young core around them that has some promise. Oubre's not bad. Cam Johnson's mm-hmm. not bad. Mikhail Bridges is showing out. And then they actually have a point guard in Ricky Rubio, you know? So, I mean, they've got something promising there. And then on the flip side, then you have Portland, which honestly is that eight-seed lock. You have a superstar in Dane, and then you have a nice core around him that just happened to be hurt. They don't even have Rodney Hood right now, and they're still winning games, you know? Exactly. Nurk plays a huge role in what that team is. 
And the Melo signing now that he's kind of lower in the importance is key, is vital. So, I mean, right. they really have to look at whether or not is Jay Crowder the man that's putting them over these rotations? I don't really think so. Solomon Hill had a, gr- a good year for them, but is that sustainable for another run like that? I think they, they, they realize that it's all on their young talent. It's mostly on Ja, and they kind of they're they're running with that. So I understand that. So what's yeah. what's your take on um on the Suns? How how the Suns look at you? We jumped into talking about D book a bunch and where they're at. They're closing in on on Portland for right there, basically two games back. Yeah, I will say uh, the campaign reclamation project is a good through four games. Uh, many people might know him as Russell Westbrook's dance partner back in OKC, <clears> but uh. He was the original. He was what the first point guard out of Murray State taking the first round. He, yeah, because I mean, Isaiah Cannon didn't get uh, drafted in the first round or second, I don't believe. But uh, he he has some promising things in his future, and he has some bumps and bruises. But he's come on, played strong for uh, Phoenix in the b- backup point guard role since they truly don't have one. Yeah, and rookies. I think like you know. There, it, it's definitely uh, been some room for uh, some hoopers who just kind of have that either mental side to them that's been holding them back or just haven't had the same spotlight on them to, to kind of go off as they are. You know, T.J. Warren, like we were talking about, um, bold through the whole beginning scrimmages. Uh, you got Michael Porter Jr. over Ooh. there hooping hey. off. Like, you got mm-hmm. you got some coming out of nowhere kind of just showing a different role right now, and it could be just the environment they're in, you know? Yeah, it's a hooper's paradise because there's nothing you have to worry about but hoop. So um, it's not the usual politics of the NBA where you can, you got the trappings of this and that, you know, clubbing, party, and all types of things. It's like, no, we just got hoop, and that's all we got. Go home and go back to it. Right. That's it. Hoop and watch some more hoop. You mentioned Michael Porter Jr. I just want to give him some love real quick. He had 230. And 10 rebound games uh past two games and then today he had 27 points and 12 rebounds so i'm gonna give the young buck some love who dealt with back injuries just why he slid to 15 everybody's talking about why didn't my team take him why did my team take him he had serious back injuries and back injuries and nothing to play with but you know he's the nuggets let him sit for a year in rehab and he's come back like the number one player in his class like he was supposed to be so uh I think people, I think I think we know now why teams don't want didn't want to take him. Why? Why is that? Nobody wants a controversial star. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. shots, all shots, but no vaccines. <laughs> right. Uh, his uh, COVID stance is, is a little troubling. He's an odd guy. Just think, looking at it, like you know, if he's a thirty and ten guy, maybe he'll pan out. You know, maybe have a, a 25, 25 and eight season. She's looking great, and just having him be a headliner. This is going to be a, a wild world for the NBA to handle. But regardless of the politics, you know, like he has been hooping. Denver's been weird. You know, they they start they play that weird bowl bowl huge lineup. They've been super injured, but still winning. And they're going to be you know interesting. I think the West playoffs are going to be interesting. But really focusing yeah. on that those uh those bottom teams. I mean. Out of all of it, I'm super excited to see this playing tournament because it's looking like it's bound to happen. We're what about a few weeks away from playoffs starting, and yeah. they're neck and neck basically. I'm excited to see this first time ever actual in season tournament for the NBA. 
it's going to be fantastic, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it depends on how the Grizzlies look now. I'm interested to see how they look tomorrow without JJJ. Uh, because I, I figured they'll slap Brandon Clark into that lineup. He's been a super sub off the bench. So you think they're going to slide out of the race? Um, it, it's almost physically impossible for them, well, mathematically impossible for them to slide out. If they can just get one win, they'll at least stay in the ninth seed if Portland jumps them for the playing tournament. The playing tournament looks like it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, uh, sure. One team will be in... Four games, but you want to be in the A seed because you only have to win one of those playing games. You're in that ninth seed, you got to win both of you got to win two games to move on. So you don't want to play two games, do that. You want that A seed, get that one win, and get out. Seeding is a seeding always counts, as we can see right now. Like, seeding always counts. But hey, man, like, while they're there and while the setup's there, at least let's get to see it once, you know? Yeah, just because it's definitely not happening in the East. I can, <laughs> yeah. can tell well, you, you know, that. It's crazy enough. The Wizards actually dropped record-wise below the Hornets. The yeah. I, I, I saw people making a uh, funk about that just to laugh. There's no but funk I, to be made, but just a couple laughs to be had, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, they're not there, so their record is frozen, so it's really not that fair, to be honest. I saw it's like... I mean, it really is really not much to say. I mean, if the Hornets were there and they were winning or something, then cool. But it's like they're not playing any games, so it's bound to happen. It would have been the Suns if they didn't go on a four-game win streak. So to me, that's really just like, eh. It could be because I'm a fan. That's how I think. But yeah, that's... That's how I see it. So, I mean, looking at the race, who would you say, like, I guess, like, who do you say, who do you think realistically comes out on top? And then who do you think is, like, the best matchup for, obviously, the Lakers? I mean, pick any of the any of the six if you think Pel- the Pels or Sacramento for that, that fantasy team to play them. Who do you think is the best matchup? And then who do you think is actually making it to that AC? The best matchup is the Trailblazers. I mean, if we're talking... Yeah. Television value games that will be closer, games that would actually be interesting. Well, not not realistic, not realistic. I guess like realistic in the sense where realistically, who's gonna win out of that bunch, and then who's the best matchup? So you're saying for both, it's Portland. I would think so, uh, because the Grizzlies they would get swept four games easily. LeBron wouldn't even have to play that much for that to happen, even with the way the Lakers are looking. But if you gotta play Portland. You have to adjust, especially with no Avery Bradley. You're leaving KCP, who's an okay defender, Danny Green, whose best defensive days are a little bit behind him, on CJ and Dame. But if you can, if you can handle those two, you can be all right. But Dame is a monster. I don't know if anybody can handle him. Uh, they they do have some bigs they can throw at Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. So it's not like. You know, they're going to be completely outsized. The only thing is there's nobody for LeBron. Uh, Trevor Reza being out, opting out for the season is a huge blow for them. Because, I mean, as good as Gary Trent Jr. has been, you know, defensively and offensively, you know, he can't do nothing with LeBron. Melo at his age can't do nothing with LeBron. Uh, I suppose they'll probably put Zach Collins on him and shade him with some Nurkic. 
But I, mm, I don't know. I can see, but I can see Dame winning a game or two off of the yeah. Lakers just just because he's great. I mean, he had forty five and twelve tonight. Uh, I, I mean, he, he's a great player, so I can see that happening. But um, as far as any other teams, the Suns had a good story, but they're not. They wouldn't challenge LeBron at all. Uh, I think the Blazers are the only team that the team that will make it, the only team that could uh, give the Lakers a little bit of problems. What you thinking on that front? I'm thinking I really bought in or have thoughts of buying into what the Suns got. I mean, I'm, I think Booker's phenomenal. And like we were texting earlier, just the whole eight in argument on like how good he's really supposed to pan out. I'm really high on their ceiling and I really enjoy their ball. And like, I think they're really good, but I think that Portland honestly takes both those spots of A, being the best matchup and B, being the best suited to handle these teams down there. I mean, before the break, Blazers, maybe not because they were just so hospitalized by the amount of injuries they had. But now that they're back to somewhat of their full strength, like they're 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 another tier above these bottom teams of of young teams trying to like feed for that spot and like we said they have pivotal players in each position and they have a superstar dame is definitely a superstar in the league today so that's gonna you know supersede any kind of momentum these other teams got cj is always gonna have his buckets ready for him mellow's got a good third role and then you know they got bigs to run so when it comes down to you know Zion or it comes to Aiden, you know, they'll be handled by Nurk. Like, he, he's, he's a defensive anchor, and he actually can ball on the offensive end. And then when it comes to playing the Lakers, like, I think the same. They have bigs to throw. They got Collins. They got some offense. Like, they got Dame, which they don't really have much to throw uh, point guard defense for. And, you know, they, they have the playoff experience. So that's something I'm going to touch up on before after my uh, statement about this. Like, they just have experience, and – Dame is a different level, as we can, as you were just saying, and obviously there's no bronze stopper that exists today. So, you know, I'm not saying they'll win the series, but I think a game or two will definitely be taken with the Blazers because they have that experience. So, I know we were talking earlier about you know that playoff experience, really, because you view things like today where you know Dallas is neck and neck with the Clippers, and then they kind of just handle the game dominant down the stretch, and you see like that ex- expert level of uh, playoff experience going around kind of like superseding the ratings that you had going through the season of offensive and defensive numbers. So, yeah, what are you thinking? What do you, who do you think is going to get weeded out in these playoffs? Uh, so, you brought up the offensive and defensive rating. I, I was just you know, listening to some things and just noting things from the regular season and the playoffs. And people always tell you the playoffs is a different beast. And it's true. You get, you know, in the regular season, you got 82 games. So you're really not, you don't get a lot of practice time. You're not really focused on this opponent coming up. You're focused on, all right, let me do my stuff. We can, you know, if you're playing a LeBron or an AD or Giannis or Harden, you might have a game plan for them specifically or something like that. Most nights you're just coming in trying to do what you do and, you know, focus what you do is usually enough to carry you if you're a good team like the bucks who number one offensive and defensive rating what they do they got a lot of guys that can throw at you 10 11 guys where they can just play their style they get up and down the court they pack the paint 
they allow you to just shoot threes and do whatever. And, you know, Johannes is a beast, so he's able to maneuver, get to the hole, and score in many ways. So their offensive and defensive rate is nice. But once you get to the postseason where it's not I'm focused on this game, this game, I got three games in a week. It's no, no, I'm focused on this one opponent for – However many games we play, this is the only team I'm gonna see. This is the only team I care about at this point. So uh, when it gets down to the nitty gritty, what you did in the regular season against teams like the Knicks or teams like the Hornets or the Wizards, that doesn't matter. You're not playing them anymore. So it's like, okay, so how did you do against these teams? Your offensive rating against the Lakers or something wasn't 115. You weren't out here scorching the nets because you're actually playing real competition. So, you know, when you're looking at these ratings and stuff, those are just like the averages of playing bombs and great teams and all in between. So when yeah, it comes to, to the back, et cetera. Yeah. 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 So when, when it comes to the playoffs, it's like you can really throw all that stuff out the window. I mean, not fully. I mean, that's still your identity, but everybody knows that. What can you do at that point to adjust and change so that, you know, you're unstoppable in this scenario. I mean, and you see the Bucks, which is why I'm not a big believer in the Bucks, even though I do think they're going to the finals. Uh, coach Budenholzer, he's a nice regular season coach. His stuff works. You've seen it in Atlanta. You've seen it uh, this year and last year in Milwaukee. He can get you some wins, but once it comes to the playoffs, he struggles with adjustments. Uh, he yeah. just wants to keep doing what he's doing, and that's what killed him last year against Toronto. Uh, Freddie Van Vliet, he got hot, but he was getting hot off of open three-pointers. It wasn't yeah. like he, he was coming off the break, hitting some Steph Curry shots. It was like, you're going to give it to me, I'm going to take it. And you s- kind of saw that today uh, in the Miami game. Duncan Robinson got off a lot of threes. Uh, Tyler Hero had a good game early because um, the threes are just wide open. Everybody's packing the paint, and Milwaukee's – they're playing their defense. It's not like they're doing anything different, but um, the threes are just butt naked open. And the second yeah. half, they kind of clamped down on that a little bit. But you can see where a team like that where you have to make adjustments and where they don't have a player who can get you a mid-range bucket where they, they say that's the worst shot, but in the playoffs, that's the shot that makes you <laughs> – Money. That's that's the shot that you most likely gonna give. So you need somebody to eat off those buckets. Yeah. So that's what you're gonna get the most. So it's like you know you need somebody to really take advantage of that. I think this conversation is super geared towards like you know those like uh, kind of more schematic teams in the uh, regular season that I kind of look for those uh, offensive and defensive kind of just schemes to gel themselves through all these games and. You know, you look at a team like Dallas, I think of Houston, I think of um, Miami, I think of Milwaukee, I think of Toronto. I even think of, like, Boston. And, you know, it's just where the defense is set up in a way where it's schemed to just kind of move around and and just kind of generally, like, handle the whole floor where the offense is just run and gun and kind of just made to build the constant shooting. And just when you you play a seven-game series, it's so hard to run in each night with that strategy because you run the back end of going extremely cold or letting a team catch extreme fire. And, you know, the home court advantage is completely taken away. So at this point, it really is 
the level of play. And if your defense is going to allow 33 the game, you know, the first game might come cold turkey, but then if you're just going to allow that to happen game by game, you're going to end up like dying by what you think is working best. It's a, it's a gelling move. And like you said, there's certain coaches out here that live by their, their game plan rather than the, the flow of the game. I have, you know, stipulations with my coach, with uh, Brad Stevens for the Celtics, not to be biased, but sometimes we make some bonehead moves and I'm just like, it's all about the flow of the game rather than what your scheme works best for, you know, like, Sometimes you have to ride the hot hand or really like throw a wild card in and you can't just rely on that scheme. So, you know, I, I completely agree. And, and it's going to be a whole new, like the NBA says, hashtag a whole new game, you know? Right. So see where, where, who really gets weeded out for these playoffs. And so, you know, we have some clear head, clear headed favorites that we were talking about. So I guess we could jump into that a bit more with how you think the style of play of these top seeds are looking like. And I guess, We've talked Bucks, so we can jump in the Bucks a little more. Personally, I think they've looked a little sloppy. Like throughout the year, I've seen so many dominant games, especially in, in, against great opponents. But the Boston game was sloppy. The Boston game should have not been close whatsoever. Refs on your side, bad star play from the other end, and immense amount of turnovers. And they just haven't really won a game that's really made you kind of scared of them, almost, you know? Mm-hmm. I-, I will say their comeback today w- was. That that might have been the start of them flipping the switch. Uh, they were down with twenty. And I know nine. you were, I know you're saying that, but like I said, no Jimmy Butler, no Goran Dragic, and then they're in their third game of in four days. So it's like those legs are tired. You know what I'm saying? Like they Absolutely. they basically are on E right after the second quarter. So if you're not mounting that comeback and winning that game, then your your then takes could be had, but. Catching up and winning the game is what they were supposed to do. So I don't give them any props for that. I don't see, you know, the dominance from them like that. I don't see I mean, a dominant. I don't see a dominant team in the East whatsoever. I mean, they went from down twenty to winning the game by twenty. So I thought that they they did play a little well. And I don't think there's anybody in the East that can stop Giannis sans Nick Nurse because. The way he throws some defenses together, he'll throw anything at you. It doesn't matter to him. Uh, the Raptors are a team. Are we talking about impressive teams. They they've been very impressive. By Kyle Lowry, who's been everywhere, rebounding, dirty fouling, flopping. I mean, you name it, he's done it oh, all. Oh, nine yards. Uh, he's done some things where it's like uh, you probably shouldn't. You know he plays hard. You know, no, no, don't want to talk bad about the guy, but he does some things on the court where I'm like, bro, are you playing basketball or are you just out here just to jump around? Like, it's like yeah. so there's some things where I just say, all right, man, that's just hoop. And let's not stop all this acting. You're not getting a sad card. Like, cut it out. But they're they're a legitimate team. So let's, let's quick fire down the east while we're at it. So we talk Milwaukee, talk Toronto, then you got Boston up next. What's your thoughts? My thoughts, Jason Tatum, after that clunker of a performance he had the first game, he's played much better. The team is playing. Gordon Hayward looks much springier. He's got a nice little handle, I noticed, that I haven't seen before. Uh, they got a solid situation. They need Kimba to get uh, healthy. But the thing that kills them, it's not their wings, it's not their guards, it's in the middle. 
I thought Robert Williams would be that guy this year. Was the second, third year? I thought by now he could be able to anchor a defense down low because he was so good in college, uh, just being a shot blocker and the presence around the rim. But he hasn't really developed that NBA frame yet to do that. Ennis Cantor is good when he comes in. He's a great offensive rebounder. He carves space like nobody business. Uh, he's probably one of the top five backward basket players in the NBA right now. But he's a negative on defense, so you can't keep him out there. Daniel Theis is, is a guy that I really like. Uh, was a German League MVP. Um, he's a guy who can he can play and set some screens, but he's also not the biggest guy. So he can yeah. get dominated by sure. he can get dominated by teams on the inside. So that's one of the biggest weaknesses they have. And when you're playing a guy like Giannis. And you have um, wings that that can play defense but aren't the best defensive wings. It gets kind of crazy. Uh, Jason Tatum plays some OLA defense sometimes, you know. He'll let you run right by him. Jalen Brown digs in. Uh, he digs in. He's a pretty great defender. I will give him that. But he has nothing for Giannis. He is not uh, strong enough, and he's not big enough to – Handle Giannis on a game-to-game basis. The playoff expectation. Um, depending on who they match up with, uh, it looks like most likely they're going to be playing the Sixers. I expect um, them to beat the Sixers because Ben Simmons' injury, which we haven't covered yet, but I'm sure we'll get to uh, his uh, knee dislocated yeah. a bit. Um. That so I, I expect them to get past there but the second round where they're gonna most likely play the Raptors. I, I don't oh, see them drama, beating yeah. yeah, I don't see them beating the Raptors. That that second round is where I see their journey ending. Okay, so then up next fourth spot is if I'm not wrong, my Hemi Heat. Yeah. Back to the Heat. Uh if their jumpers are falling, you see today the, the they got shooters. The, yeah, they do, but them legs get tired. Yeah. And you're in a condensed season. Sometimes you need somebody to get you a bucket inside. You still have Goran Dragic and you still have Jimmy Butler. So I expect them to beat the 5C, which is the Pacers, who are missing, missing uh, Sabonis. Uh, Oladipo's a little limited. TJ Warren, you know, started off hot. Today he had a solid game. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't see them – producing that long term. They have one big and Miles Turner right now. They uh they're playing Jakar Sampson at the five who, you know, shout out to Jakar, St. John's, you know, Biggie's rookie of the year. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh he's not I mean, going up against Bam, I don't think he can do that, you know, for the 10, 15 minutes a game, which they're gonna need him to do or even longer because Miles Turner just I mean, he's a good shot blocker, but he prefers to hack. So, you know, I can't figure that out for the life of me. So I, I can see the Heat second round making some noise, possibly Dark Horse Conference Finals team, you know, because, like I said, Milwaukee gives you threes, and they will gladly shoot the threes. And Duncan Robinson is a bucket. So we can see about that. How you feel about that 4-5? Would you – I mean, I mean, in terms of what, in terms of uh, Miami, Indiana. Um, yeah. So why, why, why don't you why don't you wrap up your because uh, what's next sixes and then I'll go I'll go down the line too. 
So okay, what do you um, take Sixers? Because then I don't think it's important to talk about seven and eight. I mean, Magic <laughs> no, kind not of fall off the map, and Nets don't have anybody anybody recognize them out there. <laughs> exactly. So six the Sixers. Embiid so. Sixers as of now. Right. I mean, there is nobody to stop Embiid. Period. I mean, they, they end up playing the Celtics. He can average about forty and twenty a game, yep. easy. But there's nobody else to counterbalance that. Who? Who's the next guy? With no Ben Simmons, you're looking at Al Horford, but Al Horford and Joel Embiid can't play together. It's been shown this year that so, they just don't work well together, and they don't have another point guard. They have Shake Milton has been running the point, but he's not a point guard. They have Howell Neto, who, who is a solid, <laughs> solid backup guy, but he's not really like he's not the one to make yeah, a difference. Right, he's not getting you buckets. He. You need a bucket getter at that one these days, and he's not. He can produce some buckets, but he's not getting you any buckets. And it's just like after Joel, it's like with no Ben Simmons, what do you have? We don't know how long Ben Simmons is going to be out. He talk about the Ben Simmons injury because you never you you don't know with this one, and this one could come if it's rushed back, come causing a lot of pain down the line. Exactly. So there's an option on the table for a season-ending knee scope. But as of yet, that decision has not been made. They're trying to just give them some time off and then reevaluate. But the playoffs start the 17th. That's in about 11 days. So yep. it, 10 days, actually. It's the 7th now. So Technically, yep. <laughs> and it's, they don't have – they're not in a position where you can't – where you can coast in the first round. That's not their thing. They're going to have to play – the Celtics and they don't have the wing defenders. Uh, Glenn Robinson the third, who's a good defender and a good shooter, he's been injured this whole restart. So who knows what he look like if and when he comes back. Uh, so who who do you throw at him? I'm struggling yeah. to think who else the Sixers have on the wing that they can throw at Jason Tatum because you can't put Al Horford on Jason Tatum. That's barbecue chicken. We saw how that went. Right, you can't put Al Horford on uh, Jalen Brown. You might can put him on Gordon Hayward, but Gordon gets the ball. He, he going to the rack. Yeah, you know he bringing he's bringing out all the way out to the three line. Exactly. So I, I mean, I, I I'm not sure. I mean Alec Burks, but he he's not trying to defend anybody. I'm really trying to think who the Sixers have that can like if Ben is out, Joel has to average forty and twenty. For them to have a shot, that's the way I see it. And Shake Moton has to average twenty, and uh, Tobias Harris, that's who I was missing. Huh. So he be oh yeah, I can't believe yeah, so, the, so... The, the the second highest paid guy over there. <laughs> yeah, so he has to be the number two guy, and Al has to give you stuff off the bench. Al, yeah, Al has to average at least fifteen off the bench. Tobias has to give you at least 25 a game. And I feel like that, even before the Ben thing, there's just been like a big what if question. And the what if would have to be like, what if everybody played at max capacity? And it's just like, it's a little far fetched when you really think about how many times you're saying, like, they got to do more than they roll. And this guy got to do more than a roll. And this guy got to do more than a roll, you know? Exactly. See, if they had Ben Simmons, I would have given him a better shot. Yeah. Just, just because he, he's a. A uh, great defender, and you can put him on Tatum, and you got Tobias on Jalen, and you can kind of work some things around that. 
you, they still have Josh Richardson, who's a good defender, and you can throw him at Gordon Hayward, even though the lack of size is a thing. But you still have Joel behind you. But with no yeah. Ben Simmons, that thing falls apart. There, there is no initiator. There's no creator. There's yep. And ben, it, it, it's a real t- tough loss on the defensive end, too. Exactly. Ben's had a monster year on that end. Exactly. And like I said, with no Glenn Robinson the third, like who do you who do they automatically insert into that lineup to be your four, your three, or whatever Ben Simmons was calling himself these days? The one. It's like Or they go back to the they go back to the owl lineup, you know? And to me that's an unplayable playoff lineup. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. I think you slide I think you slide uh I think you gotta slide uh uh, Tobias back to the four, then play shake, play one more guard. I don't. Even, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what what would be the ideal Sixers lineup. Like it, it, it'd be game by game for sure, though. Exactly, their roster that, construction. That, that playoff is, lineup would change after they get cooked one game. And and I'm going through. I mean, they, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough one. They do have Thibault. So who's a great defender, Matisse Thybul? Yeah. So you could probably throw some things around him. He'd have to play the defensive series of his life, but he's a rookie, so I can't count on rookies. Yeah, I mean this thing's the two thousand. You can't just like slap together defensive guys all around and then just like you know, you need you need bucket getters who can get a bucket on their own, and they only got what one at a high level, and then a couple more that could possibly. Put up 12, 10, 15, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you think about the East? We can get you a quick rundown. So, yeah. we'll so start go, the top. Go from bottom. I'll go bottom. I'll go bottom top since we're just on the sixes already. Oh. And okay. have a small conversation, too, where it's like the whole Ben situation just changes everything with Ben. And finally coming back and saying, yeah, we're going to play him at the four. And then, you know, put guards and everybody else space the floor a little more makes a, a, a tremendous difference. And like I was saying, uh, he's had a great year on the defensive end and having him be locked in that way defensively and really taking off that that high level wing. It makes it makes a world of a difference. Um, but with him gone already, they had some issues with their lineup and just him not being there and the injuries that they already have just kind of just gives them less power and. You know, Joel's going to eat because they're, they're most likely going to play the Celtics. And Joel's going to eat because the lack of bigs and that that's kind of weak interior defense that's going on right now. But, you know, when it comes to the perimeter and guys like Shake and Tobias and Josh and Tybal and everybody coming off the bench trying to create their shots off the wing, it's going to be near impossible with the Celtics and the way they play uh, switching on, on the perimeter. So it's almost like they're defeated before they walk through the door. You need a phenomenal, phenomenal performance from Joel, like spacing the floor fantastically and protecting everything on defensive end. And it's just a lot of what is to spark them up. So as much as they have a lot of upside with Ben being there, without him there, it's kind of almost guaranteed to count them out. Right. So that's that's a take there. And then moving up, you have Indiana, which is another like surprise story. And even like, you know, last year and the year before, like them, the level that they play is interesting because they play hard and they play well. And then they, they continuously add a kind of a couple shooters around and the Brogdon signing was, was very, very key. And they've got good play out of the holiday brothers and TJ Warren obviously has been, you know, a turnaround guy and 
they just have Miles Turner, who has just been subpar his whole career. And then Oladipo, I don't – it's so weird how he's playing now when he really did not want to. And it's obvious that he's not in full, 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 like, healthy form. And like we said, they play in the Heat, where the Heat have a lot of young guns and they have a lot of shooting. They have a versatile big who actually plays on both ends, very high high key level, um, and bam. And then they got a nice ISO guy and Jimmy who has been proven to really be a closer, really been proven to be a scorer when need to be. And they have well, there's a little 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 edge up on what what Indiana has. So it's kind of the right. take right there. And I would take, you know, Miami to be strong in that second round and be an interesting matchup for for the Bucks, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that's the take there and then move up and then you obviously have Boston and for anybody who's unaware, I'm a big Boston guy, and I can't chalk them up to win a chip right now, even though I love to joke around about it, but they're missing a lot, and the way they came back playing defense has been horrendous, but they have three versatile and very capable wings, which in the league today is something that's super valuable because um, when they're on point, it's hard to tell where to go, and it's hard to tell where, what to stop because they can each drive and they can each shoot. Then you have, you know, a decent scoring point guard and, and Kemba. And then the big situation is just, like, we had a three-headed snake in that regard as well with playing small ball with Tice, who can move well defensively and, you know, move well offensively as well. Like you were saying, he has talent. He has a background. We have Cantor, who, you know, injected in the right minutes, in the right scenarios, he can be a net positive. Obviously, if you're down the hole and you're looking to kind of protect the paint like obviously you're not slapping them out there but if you're looking to sustain a little lead or take care of some mismatches yeah you throw them out there and then rob was supposed to be that rebounding rim rolling kind of rim protecting guy and oh. for as minutes he was and then he you know had the hip injury had the leg injury and then kind of waited where he had that back patiently we were very patient with it but once the start of the bubble came he did not play and it was very very strange because there was very moments a lot of moments where he could have but that that just wasn't gone to once once the games came around the actual uh, seeding games, and then last night when they played the Nets, he got his 18 minutes and went seven for seven, four for four for the line, put up 18 points, an amazing plus minus, and just did what he needed to do. So, like I was saying before, I think Brad needs to really work on his rotation, and if they can put themselves together, play high defense, which they did all year, they're one of the teams to be top five in both offense and defense if they can play that high level defense of switching a lot and you know really guarding their men and then protecting the paint even undersized then they really become as good as anyone and obviously they're not going to take it all the way to the top but they become very 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 competitive and then if it's to go against the raptors that's a chess game you know we're going to see that game tomorrow friday friday night it's a chess match it's two defensive schemes with two overachieving teams and you know, the person who comes up at the top is just whoever scores more. Obviously, you know, not to be, you know, cliche or say something stupid, but it just comes down to who who's getting those buckets against those hard defense more. Right. And then, that, then, you know, to spit fire through, then that brings me to Toronto. And Toronto, like the same, they have a phenomenally coached team. They have a very disciplined defense. They have a very intense defense. They get up on you, and it's hard to go in the perimeter, and then they run a two-big system, even though they run fast with Pascal and Mark. So they have a solid, solid core. And then winning that chip really makes a difference in your blueprint, your DNA, you know, Mm -hmm. like they got that experience we were talking about. So 
they come out a little different. Kyle Lowry looks a little different this year. Freddie looked a little different. And Pascal took it up a notch, too, so. Absolutely. I think they're interesting. I wouldn't say they're a contender. I wouldn't say they're... they're well, you wouldn't say they're a contender? I wouldn't they're, say they're a contender. Yeah, they're a trendy pick to make the finals. They're trendy. But then, I mean, you can't... You can attribute a lot to last year's success to Kawhi, you know? Uh, the shots he was hitting was insane. The level he was playing at was just absurd. He was supernova, you know? And, I mean, who's going to be that guy down the stretch when things are falling apart? Is it going to be Pascal, where he's going to the baseline, trying to spin move his way in, where you can see a 1,000 miles away? Or is it Freddie or Kyle kind of chucking those uh, open threes? Like, it, it, there's, there's not that guy right now, you know? I wouldn't even mm-hmm. say it's Pascal predominantly, you know? So that's I, where I find understand. that's where I find the hesitance there because you look at Toronto and you have Giannis and Boston now has emerged Tatum because before this season you know most people were saying that Kemba is the solidified best player and now it's guaranteed that it's not Miami has Jimmy then Indiana falls apart and then the Sixers have not really a structured team outside of that so then you go to the West and the main guys have an insanely powerful number two LeBron's got AD. Kawhi's got PG, like, you know, down mm-hmm. the line, you know, Harden's got rest. Like, their number twos are insanely powerful. So, Man. I think Toronto's lacking that that star power, and that's that's a big difference in the playoffs. So, that's my take on them. And like we said when we opened the conversation up, that Milwaukee, to me, looks a little sloppy. And I think Bud runs a great regular season, but just the same, that they can't – survive giving up that many threes you get in the series against Miami obviously Giannis is going to eat but you know when you leave the they, they run a Duncan Robinson Tyler Hero lineup with Jimmy out there just facilitating driving kicking and you know you run run Bam out there like there, there's a lot a lot of drive kicks to the three and if they're wide open those guys are going to get hot you know Duncan yeah. Duncan Robinson's got the ratty and so does Tyler Hero I can't lie right so I think that's a big speculation for me for them so I mean, at the end of the day, I see probably I see personally on a on a on a on a better momentum. I see a Bucks Boston conference finals, and then I see a Bucks finals bed finally. Okay, so you see Boston beating Toronto. I see Boston beating Toronto, yeah, because of that star power thing. And I know Tatum had a clunker, but the last couple of games have been fantastic to see. And one thing I gotta uh, chime in on. I don't know if you have the same take or not. I know we didn't talk about this before, but the officiating as of now has been atrocious. <laughs> Do you feel the same? It, it seems like the referees missed their whistles. I would definitely say that. They like, missed they, <laughs> they were They were home, still wearing it on their neck, ready. <laughs> right. Just blowing it at everything. I mean. The Miami-Boston game, did you watch that game? No, I didn't uh, catch that game. Smart fouled out. Smart fouled out. In oh, the third look, quarter. that's that's the one we fouled out in what fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually did. Started the third, and then it was a bloodbath of whistles in the third quarter. It was absurd how how much they're going to line. And then you got grifting teams with you know Harden, Luca. You have AD, Giannis, these huge big men like you know going for these drives. Like if the officiating is going to be so sensitive, the game is altered completely. Yeah, well, so. I I can see that I can see that coming down because you know in the playoffs they they cut up most of those whistles anyway, 
So, but like, I feel like I don't know if it's maybe no, it's it's definitely definitely just on a different level. So if they're at three hundred right now and they tone it back to two hundred, like it's still going to be absurd. Like yeah. I think right now it's it's running off of what used playoffs used to look like. But if this year they're going to start calling a lot more because I know that there's no fans swaying them and there is nothing but just the players yelling at them right now that things might look a little different. So barring the officiating is decent. And Boston kind of gets their shit together. I see them beating Toronto. And I see them, you know, putting up a fight against against Milwaukee. I think we're a good match for them. Yeah, see, I, I don't... I you as, as much as I don't like Toronto, I still can see them beating uh, Boston. I, I just... I think their defense is enough. They they got enough guys to throw at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And then you still have the posting. They have Marcus Saul and they have Sergi Baca. And Sergi Baca's had the best year of his career. Like yeah. he he's played a lot of big. He's played amazing. I mean, he, he can still shoot the ball. He got the mid range working. You really can't draft the paint on him. And then you have Marcus Saul, former defensive player of the year, came back. Looking like skinny Mark now, so he's a little yeah. bit more agile and mobile. So, if I had to call it, it would be a Milwaukee Toronto Eastern Conference Finals. Would, and I could see Toronto even beat Milwaukee because oh, so you could I, talk yourself into Toronto going to the finals again. I mean, just off their defense alone, yeah. they that's something that can translate. When your shots not falling, you know what what can you do? And I can see Kyle Lowry getting to the rim, getting fouls. I mean, he just flops all over the place, so he's going to get some foul calls. Fred Van Vliet gets his shot off. I don't know how, but he gets it off, and it can go down easily. And Milwaukee, I don't know. Can you win a title with Chris Middleton as your second-best player? People have been saying how good he's been. He's on the cusp of a 50-40-90 season this year. Mm -hmm. I saw um, someone tweet that they're they're like fake they're like fake world stats. Like how how is he fifty forty ninety in every game you see he's just trash. <laughs> yeah, so I, I the, the Middleton he's a great shooter. He he's a really good player. But you saw the I, uh, you saw the the Toronto uh, L A game the other day, right? Yeah, and you see how they completely shut wow. suffocating. Yeah. yeah. They made Anthony Davis not even want the ball. I mean, he was just passing it up like it was nothing. Wow, yeah. Their defense is on another level for sure. I hear hear why that take is there, but I don't think I can convince myself that Toronto will go the whole way. I I think they're great, but I don't know. I need to see it hold up in a seven-game series rather than by night. My real dark horse would have been Philly if Ben Simmons was there. I, I think they could have done made a little bit of noise, but with no Ben, they they pretty much might as well pack it in. Yeah, um, unfortunate. I mean, as much as I hate on them, Ben has had a year, so they would have been interesting to watch, especially in this this atmosphere, and especially with finally, like finally, like what eight games left, and you're finally putting them at the four, like finally spacing the four from the fact that they ran. Their 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 tall lineup was Al and Tobias and Ben and JoJo and Josh Richards is just it's it's so yeah. garbage like it's, it's crazy why they thought that would be okay. 
yeah, they, they just too clunky. Uh, so uh, yeah. they, they were getting things together. So I don't know. Maybe see this leaves Brett Brown with some leeway, but he probably should be gone. I don't know why they love him so much there. Yeah, he stayed through the process or whatever. He's supposed to be a good coach. He came from San Antonio, yada, yada, yada. But he hasn't really shown anything as to why, you know, he's the right coach or why he should stay. And I'm not in – I don't want people to lose their jobs or whatever. But I I, I can see – I think this is going to be probably like the last year for him to put up a stinker if it's not gelling after this. Then, you know, clearly, like, there has to be some top-down changes. But you got to take COVID in effect, too. You know, they might not want to fire him and still have to pay him and pay a new coach. I don't know if you saw the story that came out uh, about the Bulls and Jim Boylan, who's a coach who everyone has said he probably, he not probably, he needs to go. He's not really a good coach. He needs to be fired. But the stories came out today that they probably won't fire him because, you know, of the money issue. They don't want to have to pay him and another coach. Uh, while losing revenues due to COVID. So, you know, that's a real factor here, too. Just... Yeah, the implications of uh, the money loss this year overall has been unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's take on the East. I won't go. We can save the whole West for the uh, next pod. But, I mean, we had written up, like, written up just, like, exactly what this title means for whoever wins it what the, for the league and you know obviously the implications we're just saying about COVID and just what this season has amounted to like you know how do you feel about the whole does this title deserve an asterisk is this title going to be the best ever like what's your thoughts on how this yeah. championship's going to go I'm going to say if you're going to put an asterisk next to it you got to say this is probably the hardest championship to play yeah to play 60 games stop for four months and it wasn't like it was set that you stopped for four months. It was you stopped and you may play again, you may not. So, I don't know, stay ready kind of. So, yeah, it's one of those tough ones where it's like, okay. I, uh, like Steven Adams, he went back to New Zealand. He was on his farm. Uh, Jokic was back in Serbia. You know, guys were gone. It was like the offseason for them. And this was longer than a regular offseason. So guys are doing this and that, and it's just like, oh, no, you guys got to come back and get ready. You got eight games to get ready for the playoffs, and the playoffs are here, and it, it, it feels real March Madness-y. Like, anything can happen, you're right Oh, yeah, here. definitely. You're in your region, you got to play. So I, I think this is – this. we'll look back on this, and this will be probably the most fun title. You know, and one thousand percent like March Madness. Like today, it was like what four o'clock. I have two games ready up in front of my screen. Games at like one o'clock. It's it, it is uh, two things before I uh, like just to chime in real quick. Um, a, it's insane how fast this whole process is moving along in the playoffs. When you said ten days, I almost was super confused on how quick that is. It's almost like a week out. And what? that's insane because it feels like we were just talking about what the bubble could be. And I feel like I just saw a tweet about where it could go. And people were saying Vegas and, you know, people were trying for Disney. And, you know, it just feels like it just rushed along. And then be like, the difference of play from what the scrimmages look like to what these seeding games look like is not even comparable. Because though they came in rough, like rough. Those scrimmages, those first scrimmages looked old. 
very sloppy. And then once it became real deal, then it kind of just jumped into actual basketball. Right. Like it, it was. Yeah, this is going to be very meaningful. I think the team that comes out of this, it, they're not going to want to break up that team for a while. You know, it, it's yeah. going to be the, the bonds being built here. And some people have suggested maybe the next super team is being built here with, you know, so many guys here from different teams. But I don't think it'll be more of that. I think it's more of I'm with my team because, or why would I be with somebody else? I'm trying to beat you right now. Like an Olympic setting where we can all chill and hang out and, and kind of take it lightly, that's a different thing. Right now, it, it seems like everybody's going at each other's throats. Um, yeah. I, I was watching, I forget which game I was watching earlier. Uh, no, it was actually the Suns game. And the commentators were marking that, um, like, you know, why don't a couple of Suns guys go to, like, the Nuggets game that was tonight as well and root for the Nuggets uh, instead of who are playing the Trailblazers because they need to jump the Trailblazers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you can't go, go root for the Nuggets, be their biggest cheerleaders. And so you can help you get it. You know, things like that. And a lot of bonds being formed. And it's going to be in between the same team. So guys going to be fighting for each other. Things are going to get real interesting once we get to the playoffs. Because, you know, you see already now you get some dust-ups. But I, I can see more of that happening as we get further into this thing because it's going to be real. It's them versus us type of thing. And the yeah. one goal is the Larry O'Brien trophy. It's coming home for somebody. Yep. So, I mean, they, they ain't going to fight. Yeah, it's another, another cool perspective. I didn't, I didn't really like taking into consideration. And I've seen it a lot where it's like, you know, a whole lot different than being on the bus or being, you know, at on off day and watching another game versus being there on court side watching a competition, whether good or bad or scouting or rooting against. Like, it's a different level being there personally. You know, I know a lot of the, the Blazers pull up to a lot of games together and it just builds a bit, different level of competition being in front of your your opponents, like, in, in, in real-life distance. And I think that, like, you know... Like, yeah, there's definitely probably – it's just, like, a huge campus lifestyle probably there, you know. There's definitely, like, huge camaraderie being built or just kind of some distance because imagine coming back and, you know, losing a game and your guys are not around and you know they're a couple doors or a couple of uh, feet away from you and yet there's no contact being made and stuff. And I can see some distance being made and, you know, there could definitely be some some – some damage from this or some strength from this, like you're saying, some teams just like dialing in and, and just, you know, committing to one another. Yeah. I think that, yeah, there's definitely, I think no matter what, it's a huge asterisk just because it's just so different, you know, like the, the season stopped and started again. And that's what, you know, we, we went back and forth on a different uh, take of like our pod where like we were talking about what the stats mean and how they still count for the full season, even though this is just kind of like a sub season. I know it's the same year, but, just a different different element being here now and I think you know it's been jumped the gun into and it's moving fast along and it's a few scrimmages eight games and then boom it's playoffs a couple weeks span and just a whole different atmosphere I think it has nothing to knock on the competition or has nothing to devalue what the championship is but I think it does have to come with an asterisk because it's not just a unfairness or whatever everybody's in the same conditions everybody's got the same chance everybody's got the same opportunity 
there's no home court advantage. There's no, you know, you just basically play who you played and how well you played at the beginning of the season. You didn't have many games left anyway. So I think the championship is going to be high level basketball. And I think it's going to mean a lot to the team that wants to, because they're going to be in that bubble together away from their families, away from their normal lives, their homes and stuff. And that's their ticket home. And they're going to look back and see the night they spent with their teammates grinding, preparing for those moments. And it's going to mean so much more. So I definitely, right. I definitely, definitely agree. All right, so I, I'm excited to get into the playoffs. Uh, yeah. So, you have any things you're looking out for next week, next four seeding games? Uh, anything to look out for? Anything you you got on your radar? Um, top of the top of the top of the subject will probably be the Toronto Boston game tomorrow, which unfortunately I can't even watch live. I'm hosting movie night for my girl and her niece. Mm. So probably going to be Trolls World Tour versus watching the game. But I'm going to definitely catch it right after that's all over with. But I think most people are on cruise control right now heading into the playoffs. So not really interested. I'm just going to watch basically all of the games the bottom uh, West teams are going to play and see how that pans out. But other than that, I feel like resting players are going to come around and a little sloppier games and a little less uh, importance coming around is going to be there. So I'm just geared towards the playoffs, man. I'm looking looking ahead. Okay. I, I would say the same, yeah. you know, j- just checking out, seeing if Denver can get healthy one. Because if they, you know, they've been oh. missing Jamal Murray, uh, Will Barton, and Gary Harris. And Mike Malone, who's the coach, is it's like, even if it was the playoffs right now, they still wouldn't be playing. So I'm just yeah. concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interested because if they don't get healthy, they are primed for an upset in the first round. So primed, even with Nikola Jokic. So I'm gonna see if they can gather some things together. Uh, if Portland can keep this hot streak going, they've got a, a little bit of a interesting schedule coming up. It's not a terribly difficult schedule. Uh, the next four games, we're looking at uh, the Clippers. The Sixers, the Mavericks, and the Nets. So, you know, mixed bag. You can come away winning all four. You can lose all four. So, mm-hmm. well, not not the Nets game. That's one you should win. Maybe not even the Sixers. So you shouldn't lose that one either. Um, and then Phoenix next four games. They got the Heat, Thunder, Sixers, and Mavericks. So their schedule looks a little bit lighter ish. Maybe. So I'm just interested to see how those teams keep it going. Can they keep winning? Or, you know, is it the – who's getting cut? Because it looks like the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, they might not be long for the 8 and 9 seed playing games. Yeah, I think the Pelicans are gone. So same thoughts, man. We'll see how it pans out. Um that about wraps up my basketball take, man. I've watched my games for today. I've talked my hoops for today. I feel ready to take on my next day. <laughs> <laughs> Before we wrap up, I need your comments on Ghost Chapter Two. It, it looked interesting. It looked interesting. You watched it? Uh, I did. I saw the trailer. Um, at Are first, you continuing? To watch, or are you 
giving up on the Power Series. I was going to give up on the Power Series after Power ended. I was like, I am done. I don't care what you got next. But this was pre-COVID. And there's a dearth of content. So I absolutely will be watching at least the first episode, first two, just to see what it's about. Because it looks interesting. I'll give it that. They look like they're back to telling a story and not back to how can we keep how can we keep uh ghosts and Angela's relationship alive. So exactly. you know this they is they have something fresh. Yeah. And the trailer wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. And I think it's interesting and I I don't know, like you said, like it's COVID and there's uh, a lot of a lot of free time nowadays, so you know, and shout out to uh, Mary J. Blige. I don't know. I guess she's an actor now. I just watched that show, uh, Umbrella Academy, on Netflix, and she's like an FBI FBI agent, like a time traveling FBI agent. She's like wildly okay. right. and I guess she's gonna be starring in Power too. So I mean, shit, I'm kind of excited. It it looked it looked decent, like you were saying. It looked like they were sticking to a new storyline and kind of being fresh with it, rather than just just kind of building some mush around what they thought was the best narrative they had for their old show because i was on the same boat where i was like i'm not looking at any of these and then the trailer came along and i was like wow i'm looking out for it and then this um jordan peele show is coming out on hbo in a couple weeks too i don't know if you've seen the trailers for that either it should be pretty cool no i didn't see that uh well oh, love lovecraft county so it's a horror show you have to check it out okay i have to Take a gander at that. Any other uh, rapping thoughts, man? Um, no, that's it for the for this episode. You know, I feel like we've got to we inform the people. We we let our hoop therapy out, and they can feel like they they've had a good therapy session as well. Yeah, for sure. It was fun, man. I'm glad this one, uh, this one is complete. This one's hitting the streets. I don't care. This <laughs> so this one's hitting the streets no matter what. Right. You know, before we wrap up, as always, remember, you know, always the couch is always open for everyone. Just come sit back, enjoy, you know, and hate the Celtics just like I do. That's all you need. <clears throat> yeah, we'll be we'll be back to do just that. All right, man. <laughs> All right. All right, bro. I'm signing off.